Well, hey, good morning again, everybody. Uh, we're so grateful that you joined with us for a few minutes on this Sunday. We hope everything's going well with you. Hope that you were encouraged by our time of worship. And I'm excited about what God has for us today as we continue this series that we kicked off last week in the book of Joshua. And so before we kind of press into the story for today, I'd love to open up with a word of prayer and I'd ask you to join me. Father, we come again with lots of unknowns. Um, some of us are experiencing great times and good news, and then there's others of us who are going through some challenging moments and some hard times. And probably everybody who's listening to this, Father, is at a different place in their lives and in their story. Um, and no matter where we all are today, I pray that this morning, through your word, as we're gathered around TV sets and uh, iPads and phones and all different places, that the power of your word will continue to work and that we will hear truth and that we'll be encouraged by those things. Give us strength, Father. Give us wisdom. Give us clarity and help us to live in this moment for the honor and for the glory of Jesus in all that we do. And it's in his name that we pray these things. Amen. Well, hey, some of you may be familiar with John Krasinski uh, from The Office fame. Maybe you're a Jack Ryan fan and heard about him through that. But a couple of weeks ago, he was tired of all the bad news that was coming out through COVID-19 and all the bad and hard news stories. And so what he did, what John Krasinski, this actor, did was he started a YouTube channel, uh, kind of his own little news network, and he's called it Some Good News. And so he's had a few different episodes, and what he does in different episodes is for about 20, 25 minutes or so, he kind of gathers clips off social media, he does some interviews, he keeps up with news stories, and all of these stories are good news, right? He tells all of us coming in through YouTube channel good news about some things that are going on. So some of the stories, I grabbed some time with my family, and we watched a couple episodes earlier on in this week, and so some of the stories, some of these good news stories that he shared one of them was about a 15-year-old girl who had around through this whole coronavirus time, she'd kind of concluded some chemotherapy and her cancer was in remission and, and actually looked like it was gone away. And so there was this video clip of this 15-year-old who'd gone through this intensive months and years of chemo who's coming back to her home and on the streets lining the way back to her home, and all of her friends, all of her neighbors are gathered in their cars, they're honking, they're cheering, they have signs for her, right? That's one of the good news stories. There was a story, a good news story that Krasinski shared about a team of doctors and nurses in a Boston hospital who were part of the COVID unit. And so he spent a few minutes interviewing them and hearing their stories and hearing some success stories about different patients. And then after he heard those great stories, he had some good news for them. And the good news for those doctors and those nurses up in Boston was that they were going to receive from the Boston Red Sox, Red Sox tickets for life. Okay, for them, that's good news. For me, that's like... That's like bad news. That's horrible news, right? Where are the free Yankees tickets for life? There was a good news story that Krasinski shared that probably a lot of you have seen the clip about an elderly man who's standing outside of his wife's window in a nursing home, and together they're singing Amazing Grace, right? John Krasinski started this little network on YouTube where he's told some stories, some great stories, and those stories are some good stories, Maybe you've not been checking that out, but man, maybe you've been on Netflix looking for some great stories over the past couple of weeks. It seems, man, every third or fourth night I'm texting a bunch of buddies like, hey man, what should we watch on Netflix? What's a good story? What's an exciting story? Maybe music. Maybe during this whole quarantine kind of stay home, stay safe deal, you've been listening to a lot of music. You've been listening to a lot of songs. 
And something that's really interesting about songs are many times the best songs are the songs that tell the greatest stories. Really, really great songs, and they tell great stories. And then some of us are readers, and we like books. And there's nothing uh, more enjoyable yet sad when you come to the end of just a great book that's told a great story, and you're sorry to hear and sorry to see that that story's coming to an end. Here's the deal. We all interact with stories in different ways, whether it's a YouTube channel, whether it's uh, through Netflix, whether it's through books. We all interact with stories in different ways, but we all like stories. We all like stories, and not only do we all like stories, but every single one of us who's listening to this this morning, we all have our own story. We all like stories. We all have our own story. And this morning, for every single one of us, God is also writing our story. In this moment, no matter what we're facing right now, God is authoring and writing our stories. And last week when we came together, we kicked off a new study out of the book of Joshua, right? And we started studying this story, this true historical story about a guy named Joshua and the story of these people that he led. And today what we're going to do is we're kind of going to go back a little bit. We studied Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. And this morning what we're going to do is we're going to go back a little bit and think about what we studied last week. And then we're going to study Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 through 18. And as we do, we're going to see two different groups of people. Two different people groups, two different people, two different characters in the story. And from their stories, we're going to think about how what they went through, how that impacts our story this morning. We're going to be in Joshua 1, 17 through 18, largely this morning. And from that, and thinking about a little bit from last week, we're going to pull two observations about how God is working in our story. Two observations about how God is working in our story and two observations about how God works in our story. <clears throat> so let's kind of remember, let's catch up to speed, right? Let's get the, uh, let, let's get the, the coronavirus quarantine like dust off of our brains. And here's what we saw last week. The story opened up in Joshua 1, chapters, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, and it said this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. And as we kind of unpacked that verse and those verses a little bit and then the rest of that larger paragraph, we saw last week some things about God. Last week we saw some things about God from these first early verses and what we saw last week was this, that God's plans and promises never change and they never fail. We saw that God is always with us. And we saw that God's presence gives us strength and courage. God's plans and promises never change and never fail. God is always with us and God's presence gives us strength and courage. That's what we learned about God last week. But let's kind of think for a minute about Joshua. Joshua is kind of the main character in the story. Who is this guy? Who's Joshua? What was his background, right? What was his life like? Well, here's a little bit that we know about Joshua. Here's a little bit about Joshua's biography. He was born in Egypt. And in the time in which he was born, the people of Israel, the Jewish people were slaves. And so Joshua was a kid who grew up as a slave. 
Joshua, growing up in that period of time, he would have seen the different plagues and the different ways that God worked in these miraculous ways to draw the people out of Egypt and to rescue them. Joshua would have been one of the people who literally walked through the Red Sea with the Egyptian army behind them, right? He would have walked through in this amazing way that God provided for them. Joshua probably was a teen or a young adult, and pretty soon after they got out of Egypt and after they walked through the Red Sea, man, the people of Israel encountered this enemy. And so Moses was their leader at that time, and Moses came up and he kind of tapped Joshua on the shoulder and said, okay, Joshua, I need you to be my general. I need you to fight. I need you to lead a group of people against this enemy. You can read about that in Exodus chapter 17. It tells you about the battle, this first battle that the Jewish people faced with Joshua as their leader. But here's kind of the summary of what happens in that battle. And here's what we read, Exodus 17, verses 13 through 14. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek, who was the enemy, and his people with the sword. Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with a sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses had recruited Joshua to fight for him. Joshua had led the people into this battle. And what's really, really interesting that that first thing that Joshua did, man, God wanted Moses to write this down, and this was to be something for Joshua that Joshua would look back to, that Joshua would remember. It would be something in Joshua's past that was important for him to know about in his future. After that successful battle, as year, a little bit more time went by, Joshua was actually sent as a spy. Joshua and a few guys were sent as spies into the very land that Joshua was now leading the people to take over. For 40 years, Joshua had watched God provide for the Jewish people as they wandered through the desert and they always had what they needed and God always took care of them. Joshua became Moses' assistant, right? Here's, we read that in the first verse in the first chapter. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Joshua was a kid who was born into slavery. He watched God deliver the people. He had some initial roles in some battles. Then he was a spy. Then he actually moved up to become Moses' assistant. He had this amazing track record and this amazing story in the years leading up to this moment of Joshua 1. It's not like Joshua was just kind of walking through, you know, down the road one day and he was just called out of the blue. He wasn't just called out of the blue. He wasn't just called out of nowhere. Rather, for 40 years, God had been preparing Joshua for this moment. For 40 years, God had allowed different things to happen in Joshua's stories, different moments, different successes, to prepare him for the now and for what God was asking him to do. God allowed Joshua to see things about who God was and how God worked. God had allowed Joshua to scope out the land to see it in advance. Over time, Joshua had gotten more and more increasing responsibility and opportunities to lead. Joshua had been second in command before he was ever asked to become the first in command. He'd been mentored by Moses. And all of those past moments prepared him for this moment in Joshua 1. And from those observations, right, from Joshua's story, we kind of see the first truth about how God works in our story. And here's the first observation. 
that God has worked in past chapters of our story to prepare us for this chapter. God has worked in past chapters of our story to prepare us for this chapter and this moment in which we find ourselves now. Man, God in the past for you, he's done different things in your life and he's done different things in your story to prepare you for the very thing that you're facing now and to prepare you for the very thing that he's asking you to do now. That's what he did with Joshua. That's the pattern that we see. And so what does that mean for us? Well, maybe for some of us, the thing we're facing now is, man, we're just struggling financially. I mean, we're, we're just, like we've said for a few weeks now, right? Maybe the thing you're facing is you've lost work or your spouse has lost work or your business has dried up. And, and maybe that's the thing you're going through. And if that's the thing that you're going through, man, in your past, maybe you can look back to moments how God has miraculously provided for you and met your needs and given you what you needed in those moments. And you've seen God provide for you in the past. You've seen God show up for you in the past. And all of those past provisions were to prepare you for this moment in which you find yourself now. He's worked in your past to prepare you for the now. And if you're struggling financially, I'll just kind of one little application. What I'd do is I'd encourage you, I'm going to encourage all of us, but especially for those of us who today money is just a tough issue. I'd encourage you to try to find a few minutes sometime today or tomorrow morning when you wake up and find a quiet place and grab a piece of paper and just kind of start working through all the times in past years where you've had a need and God's provided for you. And sometimes when I face financial stress or other stress, just literally putting down on paper all of the amazing and unexpected and unique ways that God has never failed and he's always shown up right on time encourages me and strengthens me and helps alleviate the stress and increase my faith. So if you're worried financially, I'd encourage you just to do that. Look back to how God has provided for you in the past because he's done that to prepare you for this chapter. Maybe it's not a financial thing you're struggling with, but maybe, man, your marriage this morning, it's just tough. It's tough. And it's compounded by the fact that the space, you you don't have space to really get away because you're in your house and in the past you could run to something. In the past you could get away from each other, but now you're in the same house and the same walls under the same roof and you can't really go anywhere and that tension is just increasing and the burden is just increasing and the challenge is just increasing. Well, if that's where you find yourself now, then I'd remind that for a lot of you and for a lot of us, if that's our story, man, there's been so many moments in the past where we've received wise counsel about marriage. We've read books about marriage. We've heard sermons about marriage, right? For many of you, you've heard teaching about marriage in the past, about what to do and about how to act and about how to serve and about how to navigate and the man, the biblical opportunities for a husband and the biblical opportunities for a wife and what does it mean to serve the spouse the way God wants you to. And for years in the past, 
You've heard teaching after teaching, or you've read book after book, and maybe God's been using all of those past teachings to prepare you for now, to prepare you for this moment, to prepare you for this chapter. And the wisdom, right, that you've heard in the past, well, now's the time to implement it. See, many times in life, it's not that we don't know what to do. Many times in life, we know exactly what the right thing is to do. The challenge is we just don't do it. Well, if you're a spouse this morning that's having trouble in your marriage, all that past teaching you've heard, and God was doing that to give you a foundation to know what to do now. So implement it. Use it. He's preparing you and he's been, he has been preparing you in the past for this chapter and this moment in which you find yourself now. Maybe it's not finances. Maybe it's not marriage. But maybe this moment that you find yourself in, you're just having to adapt to so much. You're having to adapt as to how to lead, right, as a pastoral team and as elders. We're having to adapt as how to lead. Maybe you're a community group leader. Maybe you're a leader in our kids' life or student ministry team, right? Maybe you're in women's ministry. You're having to adapt how to lead. You're a leader in your family as a mom or a dad, and it's a new moment for you to do that. Or maybe just in your business or your work, you're having to adapt. Well, man, here's the deal in your past. God's given you lots of other moments, where you've had to rise up. God has given you lots of other moments where you've had to adapt. He's given you lots of other moments where you've had to adjust. And those moments could be divinely used by God to be there in your past to prepare you for the now. Wherever we find ourselves in the story this morning, if God is asking us to do something, if he's calling us to do something, is he putting, if he's putting in front of us like he put in front of Joshua something that we need to do, man, don't ignore the past ways that he's worked in your life and that he's taught you in your life. Don't ignore the past ways that he's worked to prepare you for the now. So here's kind of the application, the takeaway for all of us on that. I'd encourage all of us, man, sometime this week, to get some time, grab a journal, grab a piece of paper, grab your iPad, grab your laptop, whatever you want to do, man, and just kind of write down two or three of the things that you're really stressed with today. Just take some time and write down two or three of the things that you're struggling with today. And I'd have that in one column, and then in the next column, just kind of think back over your story and over your life and over how God has worked and try to identify and bullet point and write down some things that God has done in your past to prepare you for the very things you're facing now. Take some time this week, right? Because the reality is that God's worked in the past chapters of our story to prepare us for this chapter. And so take some time this week and just write down what's hard about this chapter. What's unknown about this chapter? What are you facing in this chapter? And then go back over the past chapters of your story and identify some of the ways that God has worked and some of the things that God has done that you can look to to see that he's prepared you for this moment. God had this at least 40-year-plus 
chapters of Joshua's life where every chapter and every moment was something that God had used to prepare Joshua for this moment, right? And from that, we see that God works in past chapters of our story to prepare us for this chapter. God works in past chapters of our story to prepare us for this chapter, but there's a flip side to that. Right, if the truth is that with Joshua and with us, that God works in past chapters of our story to prepare us for this chapter, do you know what the flip side of that is? You know what that means? You know what's significant? That means that God is working in this chapter to prepare us for a future chapter. God's worked in past chapters to prepare us for this chapter in our story, but that also means this, that right now, in this moment, in my story, in your story, in Calvary's story, in our story, God is working in this chapter and in this moment to prepare us for a future chapter and a future moment. So let's not waste it. Let's not waste maybe what God's trying to do in my life and in your life and in our life in this chapter. With all the social distancing and all the change and all the kind of abrupt time out that's happened to all of our lives. We've got some time on our hands. And we've got some time on our hands and we can be intentional to kind of think about two things. And the first thing that we can think about is this. What is God trying to teach us? If God uses past chapters to prepare us for this chapter, and if God is and he is using this chapter to prepare us for a future chapter, then with some time we have in our hands, let's be intentional. What is God trying to teach us in this chapter of our lives that we're going to need to know for another chapter? Has he been teaching you anything? Have you been reading through his word and there's some common themes or big ideas that have been popping up? Have you been having conversations over Zoom with friends from years ago, and man, they've been godly influences, and in those conversations there's some common themes that have been popping up. What is God trying to teach me, and what is God trying to teach us now? What's he teaching you? Because the very thing that he's trying to teach us now could be the exact thing that we need to know and we need to remember later. Kind of first question to think about is, what is God teaching us? And the second question just to think about is this, man, how might this moment, what we've learned in this moment, what we thought about in this moment, what we've navigated through with social distancing and how to care for each other differently, man, how might this moment be used by God in different moments? Because the reality is that God uses past chapters of our lives to prepare us for this chapter. And God is using this chapter and this moment to prepare you and to prepare me for another chapter that he has coming down the road. Man, from Joshua's background, from his biography, from his past, from his resume, that's kind of the first observation we see about how God works in our story. But there's another group here in the uh, remainder of chapter 1. And man, this group has their own story, and this group has their own way that God's working in the story. So who is this other group? Who is this other group of people in the first chapter of Joshua? And what can we learn from their story? Well, let me read to you, uh, picking up from where we left last week, about this second group that we read about in Joshua 1 and their story. And here's what we read in verses um, 12 to 15. 
of chapter 1. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord God is providing you a place of rest, and he will give you this land. Your wives and your little ones and all your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers, and they shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you, and they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving to them. So right about now, through the magic of technology, for a few moments, you're not going to have to stare at my annoying face, right? Because probably right now there's a map that is popping up on the screen, okay? And so this map kind of gives you a little, uh, little context of what things look like in this story, right? And in order to understand the significance of the Reubenite story and Gadite story and half the tribe of Manasseh story, we need to understand this map. So right there in the middle of the map, I don't have my little... I can't use my cool little pointer in your house. I could come over to all of your houses with my laser pointer and you could pause it right now and I could show it to you, but that would be really weird. So here's the deal, right? There's this map and there's this line on the top north part of the map. Um, There's the Sea of Galilee. There's a body of water. Then there's this really long river and then there's the uh, Dead Sea at the bottom half. And that river that kind of runs between the two is the Jordan River. And on the east side of the Jordan River, that's kind of where we find the people, when Joshua's saying this thing, when God's speaking to Joshua in chapter 1, they're kind of camped out there. There's a town called Abel Shittim. On the map, there should be a circle around it. That's where the people are camped out. They're camped out on the east side of the Jordan River. But what they have to do is they have to cross the Jordan River, and they have to get over to the west side of the Jordan River, because on the west side of the Jordan River is the land that the God has promised to give to them people. But here's what's kind of interesting, right? So for most of the people, they got to get over to the west side of the river because that's their land. But years before this moment, to a certain couple of groups of people, to the Reubenites, to the Gadites, and to half the tribe of Manasseh, Moses had already given them some land on the east side of the river. Right, Moses had already said to three tribes, okay, here's the deal, guys. I'm going to give you your land on the east side of the river. So take your families, take your cows, take your puppies, right? Start building some houses, start doing some farming. And these guys, these three tribes, the the people groups of the Gadites, the Reubenites, the the Manasseh, man, they were already settled with houses, with crops, with farms on the east side of that Jordan River. And, and there was this temptation that Joshua understand and Moses actually understood it when he gave them this land, right? Man, in, in many ways, they don't need any land because they already have their land. In, in many ways, for those three different groups of people, their work is already done. They already put the work in to kind of claim their land. They put the work in to get rid of any enemies who are around their land. They've put the work in to start plowing it, to start farming it, and the temptation for these guys to be this, to say, you know what? Man, man, we did our time, right? We, we put in our effort. We, <clears throat> we have out of that what we want, and so we're just going to kind of find us a rocking chair, drink a little sweet tea, and we're going to watch the rest of the people do all the work. 
all the rest of the people who still have things to do in order to get over to the other side of the river, the temptation for these people was like, man, we're good. We've done it all. Years ago, we did all that. Let all those guys go over there. We're going to drink us some sweet tea on our rocking chairs till Jesus comes back and we'll be good. And the question is, right, as they may be tempted to sit this one out, as they may be tempted to be spectators instead of participants, as they may be tempted to think it's time for us just to coast because we've already done all of the hard work, is that the attitude that God wants them to have? Is that the approach that God wants them to have? Is that what he wants out of their story? Well, no, because through Joshua, what we've heard God said to them is in verse 14, he tells them, That's not what they're to do, right? He's telling them, I don't want you to sit it out. He's telling them, your work isn't done. Because here's what he said, we've read it, but your wives, your little ones, your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. So in other words, man, let your wives, let your babies, let your cows hang out over here on the east side. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them. What God's telling for those guys in their story is, no, no, don't don't sit it out. Don't disengage. Just because you've done your spot, your story isn't yet over. You still have a role to play. And what God's saying is, and I want you to play it. Here's the second kind of observation about how God works in our stories and what God expects from our stories is this, God does not want you to retire from serving him. God doesn't want us to retire from serving him. God doesn't want us to reach a point in our lives where we think, nope, I've done it, or I've had a story of being engaged, so I'm done. I'm just going to kick up my heels, find a rocking chair, and I'll just drink sweet tea till Jesus comes back, and I'll watch all those other people do the work. Man, throughout this whole <clears throat> coronavirus situation, our leadership has worked really, really hard to make sure you know we care for you. And we've worked really, really hard. Have we done it perfectly? No, right? Nobody ever does anything perfectly. But our desire has been to strive to let you know you're, you're cared for and to engage with you. And we've worked really, really hard to provide ways for you to be able to engage with each other still in our church. And, and many of you are doing that. And, and here's kind of just over all that, when we want to make sure you know is this, that every single one of you matters. Every single one of you who calls yourself Calvary Church, every single one of you who maybe doesn't come here, but you're watching this from somewhere else. But man, every single person in this church You matter. You matter. And you're important. And not only does every single person in this church, in this body called Calvary Church matter, but every single one of you is needed. Every single one of you who's part of the community of Calvary Church, you matter. And every single one of you who is part of the community of Calvary Church, you're needed. And our church will be richer, and our church will be stronger, and our church will be better if and as more of you 
and more of us continue to engage, continue to play a role, continue and step up and maybe start serving and start caring. You matter, and you have a role to play. And there's something that God wants to do through your story here in our body and for our body and for you through him. And he doesn't want us just to sit on the blue chairs and kick up our feet and drink some sweet tea and watch the show until Jesus comes back. So, a few questions for us this morning. Here's kind of the first question. The first question is this morning, Where are you serving at Calvary Church? I'll make it a little broader, right? First kind of question, where are you serving at Calvary Church? But I'll broaden that a little bit. Maybe it's not at Calvary, but where in some ministry or some part of God's kingdom are you serving? Where are you serving here at Calvary? Or maybe it's not at Calvary, but where are you serving in God's kingdom? Here's what I, I, would, I would love you to do this, right? If you've got like a scrap of paper in front of you and a pen and... Ain't nobody got your scrap of paper or pen in front of you. But if you have a scrap of paper and a pen, I would love you to write down the answer to that question. If you don't have a scrap of paper and a pen, I'd love you to grab your phone, open up the notes, and type in your notes section of your phone the answer to that question. And if you don't have a piece of paper, if you don't have a phone, if you're just like, I ain't getting off my lazy boy because I'm comfy under this blanket, then I want you to think about what you would write down, right? On a piece of paper or on your phone, what would you write down as an answer to the question of where are you serving at Calvary Church or where are you serving in God's kingdom? Write it down. Type it in. Maybe if you don't want to do that, then just think about it. If you were to write that down on a piece of paper or you were to type it in, what would be on that paper? What have you or what would you write down on a piece of paper or type into your phone as the bullet points, as the area, as the areas, as the answer to the question of where are you serving at Calvary Church or where are you serving in God's kingdom? Now, there's probably a few different types of pieces of paper and types of responses for a bunch of you. If you took the time to actually write that down or if you even thought about what you'd write down, man, I bet that paper has some great responses on it because so many of you are serving here at Calvary. Man, we have uh, over 160 people every week. Well, not now, but in the past, man, over 160 of you, right, give up your time, give up your hours, come home from working 10 hours a day and serve at our church. And the only reason we're able to do what we're able to do, the only reason we've been able to do all the stuff, and we're, we're going to do all that again. And the reason we're able to do that is because so many of you serve. And for a bunch of you, if you thought about where, you know, the answer to the question of where you're serving at Calvary Church, on your paper, you've got some areas, you've got responses, right? You've written it down. And thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your service. Thank you for all the lives that you've impacted because of your service at Calvary Church or to different church or in God's kingdom. So if you have some things written down, man, I, I want to thank you and I want to affirm you. But then there may be some others of you who, if you were to look at that piece of paper, it'd be empty. And there wouldn't really be anything written down to respond to the question of where right now, right, right now, 
I don't really want to know where you served 42 years ago, <clears throat> but right now, if you were to answer the question of where are you serving at Calvary in God's kingdom, there wouldn't be anything written down. And maybe there's two reasons for that. Maybe because 25 years or 45 years ago, man, you were serving your tail off. I mean, you were killing it. Maybe back in the day, your kids were in elementary age or your kids were high schoolers. And when they were in elementary school and they were high schoolers, you were so engaged and you were so active in the church. Right? You were like the Reubenites and the Gadites and the Manassehites. Man, back in the day, you were getting your land. You were preparing it. You were working hard. But now you're empty nesters. And now you're not as involved. Now you're really not involved at all. And maybe for some of you, the reason you're not involved is because you've fallen prey to the temptation that these people could have been tempted to. And you think to yourself, whoa, I've already done my time. I've already put in the blood, sweat, and tears for Calvary. I've already served. And so, man, now it's time for those guys. I just want to watch as other people step up and do what I used to do. Well, man, God doesn't want you to retire from the ministry. People still need you. And you have a role to play. And please just don't kick back on the blue chairs with a sweet tea in your hand thinking to yourself, man, 40 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago, I was really active, but now I'm not because I just want somebody else to pick up the ball and run with it. Man, we need everybody running with the ball. Maybe your piece of paper is empty for a different reason. Maybe you grew up at Calvary. And you were the kid who was brought to Summer Spectacular. Your kid parents brought you to youth group, right? You have all the memories of being brought here. And somehow you still kind of think, well, it's your parents' church. And you're in your 30s and you're in your 40s now, but you haven't really stepped up to engage because you still think, well, it's mom and dad's church. Let mom and dad do the work. And I'll still kind of just keep coming but man, I'm, I don't want to step up. And man, it is your parents' church. But you know what? It's, just not, it's not just your parents' church. It's your church too. It's your church too. And if your parents serve faithfully to help, man, pour into the legacy of this thing, then guess what? You're the ones who, man, it's, it's now your moment to engage and to lead and to serve. And we still have <clears throat> so many people, right, who, who have raised their kids here, who are still serving so faithfully and so passionately. But if you're one of the kids who has been raised here, we need you to be serving and to care and to engage. It's not just your parents' church, it's your church. And the goal of all this, man, is for each generation to pass on the leadership and the ownership of this deal to the next generation. And we need some of you to step up and to take the reins and to take the leadership. We need the emerging generations to pick up an oar and to keep rowing in the direction that your parents did and their parents did as we pursue and we chase and we strive after what God has for Calvary Church.
And, and I know this is a little weird because you're thinking, well, okay, this is great. You're telling us we should all do stuff, but we're in our living rooms. We can't really do stuff. Well, you can, but, but, but here's the deal. We have some time on our hands. We have some weeks until we can open this thing up, if not longer, and do stuff. And so you and I, we have weeks and maybe even months to be thinking about when this whole deal reopens, when we start chasing ministry hard, when we start resuming our service of God hard for the good of his kingdom at Calvary, you have some time to think about if you don't have anything written down on your piece of paper about where you're serving now at Calvary or where you're serving now in God's kingdom, you have some time now to think about what you'll be able to write down and how you'll be able to engage and to serve and to lead in the future. Maybe for some of you, that means, you know what? When we open back up, you can engage and you can get active in ministry by man. Man, you can get baptized. You can show us, let us celebrate with you your story. Some of you can pursue serving on a ministry team. Some of you can pursue membership, right, so that you have a voice and you're part of the decisions that go on to some degree here at Calvary. But we have time on our hands to think about how can we serve God together when we get back to serving him after this whole coronavirus thing is done because God doesn't want us to retire from serving him. And, and, and here's the deal. Please don't sit, keep sitting it out. If you've been sitting it out, please don't keep sitting it out. And here's why. Because when you sit out, guess what? We miss out. We miss out on what God may want to do through your life, in our lives. And when you sit out, you miss out. So please don't keep sitting it out. Next week, we're going to jump into chapter 2, and in chapter 2, we're going to see the story of this woman, man, who's got this past, and we're going to think about her story, and we're going to see this amazing truth that her past doesn't define and doesn't impact her future. Next week, through this lady's story and how God works, we're going to learn more about God, and we're going to learn about faith and what faith looks like. So, man, I invite you to come back, and uh, let's, let's jump into chapter 2 next week together. But this week, let's just remember... And no matter where you find yourself now, God has worked in the past chapters of our story to prepare us for this chapter. And let's remember that God doesn't want you to retire from serving him. I hope you have a great Sunday. I hope God encourages you. And on behalf of all the pastors and all the leaders, we want you to know we're still praying for you. You know the ways to get in touch with us if we can care for you through our COVID page or on our website. Man, we love you. We're praying for you. And we hope that God gives you peace and encouragement and strength this Sunday in him. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your sovereignty. And thank you that you don't waste things in the past. Thank you that so many of the things you've done in our lives in the past have been to prepare us for this moment, have been to teach us certain things or give us the tools we need to navigate what you're asking us to navigate now. And thank you, God, that even in this moment, you're doing something within us and you're teaching us things today and you're showing us things today to prepare us for something that you have for us in the future. So, Father, may the Holy Spirit open our eyes to what you're doing May we be thankful for how you've taught us in the past and may we be attentive to what you're doing in our lives now. And Father, thank you that no matter how young we are or no matter how old we are, every single one of us has a role to play.
And every single one of us has a way that you've designed us to serve you and an impact that we can make. And so I pray you'll encourage us um, and allow us to jump into being part of the story that you're writing and other people through us, Father. So thank you for this day. Thank you for the story of Joshua. And will you give us peace and strength in Jesus? Amen.